This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. It's always a strange time of the year when you're coming out of that old year into the new year. And, you know, we all do the resolution thing or things we want to improve on. And, and this is the fifth today, isn't it? So most of those resolutions are gone. <laughs> so they are. You stood in the scale in the first. And you thought, right, starts today. And then you got to the second. And the pies came out and what's left over and the roses. And, well, we know how that all goes. What oh, is? I think we're all in the same boat. But anyway, it's nice to see you. I've seen a lot more of you today as well. And I just don't maybe mean numbers there, just because you're full of chicken and roses. But you're looking well anyway. Right, anyway. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 29. Psalm 29. We just want to read the whole psalm. So Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest spur. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. If I was to say to you today in 2020, I want you to write a book, or I want you to write a short story, or I want you to write a poem or a paper, How would you start? Because your starting point is of ultimate importance. We can think of some books, and the the first lines or the first chapter of them sets the scene for the whole book. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Where does that come from? Pride and prejudice. You know it well. Some of these you may not know just as well. It's a funny thing about mothers and fathers. Even when their own child is the most disgusting little blister you could ever imagine, they still think that he or she is wonderful. You know where that comes from? Children's book, Matilda, by Roald Dahl. All children except one grow up. Peter Pan, yes, correct. You can tell the ones that have children in here, can't you? Because they're all just, they know exactly what's happening. There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, 
and he almost deserved it. Narnia books, yes. Yeah, very good. But the greatest start to a book is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The beginning of a book is crucial. Story beginnings are important. And in terms of getting published, they are the most important part of a story. Your beginning is where the reader decides whether to keep reading. Your beginning also sets the reader's expectations for the story's middle and ending. I want to suggest to you this morning that we've just read a psalm whose beginning outshines all other books, outshines all other first lines, because the psalmist starts with ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. A psalm with no greater impact. Now, we don't know the background to the psalm, what the situation was. Was King David sat down to write this psalm? But ultimately, King David is captivated by one thing, one thing only in this psalm. Now, if we can move the words in our minds about of this psalm, there is one word that stands out completely, and that is the word Lord. 18 times in 11 verses. 18 times in 11 verses. King David's subject is the Lord God Almighty. And at the start of 2020, I want to encourage us to make that our subject, to make him our subject. Not a thing, not a set of rules, but a person, the Lord God Almighty. And if you notice, it's L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Not just any Lord, the covenant-keeping God, the God who promised his people that he would never leave them nor forsake them. The God who promised that he would always be with his people, Israel. And for us today, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, the capital L, the capital O, the capital R, the capital D, Lord, has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. To always be with you. What a start to 2020. I want us to be captivated by one thing this year. The Lord God Almighty. And I think this psalm sets the scene perfectly. Because it begins in heaven. If you miss the first two verses of this, the psalm still has an impact. But not the impact that is required. Not the impact that it should have. Because it starts in heaven. Around the throne of God. And everyone is gathered around God Almighty. You know, over the last few months, and hopefully not again, we've had a Queen's speech. We've had two of them. Nobody wants another election and another Queen's speech. But it's interesting. I sat down one day and I was, I was actually watching it. I've never watched it before. But you see the Queen, the monarch, come in 
and she walks to her position at the seat. The trumpets are blown to announce her coming in. And she sits down and everyone is gathered around. She then sends her official, I think the name is Black Rod, to go to the House of Commons and to demand that everyone within the House of Commons comes and appears before the monarch. And we know it's all, it's all rigmarole and it's all a bit of a, a show. But they all trips in to hear what the Queen, to hear what the monarch is to say. But here we have a throne room in heaven. And it's not a rigmarole. It's a sight of the highest glory in heaven where everyone is called to ascribe to the Lord. Notice it says, ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord. Why is it there for emphasis? Who is called to ascribe? Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. The angels, the mighty angels, this also can be said, the, 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 the ones with heavenly strength. And I think it's interesting that anywhere in the Bible where an angel appears, men fall down prostrate before them in fear and trembling. But here we have those mighty angels full of strength and power falling before one who outstrips them in glory like no other. What is the psalmist trying to do? To lift the eyes of the people, to lift his own eyes to see God as he truly is. These mighty angels are called to ascribe glory to God and to God alone. He outstrips them in every single way. That's who's called but what are they called to give? Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Glory and strength. Majesty and power. The word strength there, where we get our word omnipotence, and it really means all power, all powerful. This is not just a God, this is the God, the only God who has all power and strength and might and he is to be given glory majesty he is to be exalted he has to be lifted up because he alone is worthy what a picture that's who and that's what and why ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. He alone is worthy of it all. Remember, we're in heaven here. This is a picture of heaven. Mighty beings. And they're called to fall before one who is mighty above all. That's why, because he is due in all. And how much for us, his people, to give him the glory that he alone deserves. That's the who, the what, and the why.
and the horror. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The word worship there is where we get the word to prostrate ourselves, to throw ourselves down before this one. Worship the Lord. We're to prostrate ourselves. Now that doesn't mean that maybe your prerogative, when you go into your room, come before the Lord to spread yourself before him. But it means to prostrate everything. Our strength, our hearts, our minds, our whole beings before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're to lay down an acknowledgement of who he is. Yes, he is our Father. Yes, he is our Savior. But first and foremost, he is our God and King. And we are to prostrate everything before him. Our wills, our actions. We're to do it in the splendor of holiness. And there's two ways we can look at this. And I think it's both ways. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. He is a holy God like no other. He is perfect in all of his ways. Perfect in all of his standards. He speaks and it is done. And no man can stand against him. No angel can stand against him. No being can stand against him. He is a holy God. But it also means that we have to worship him in holiness. Be holy, for I am holy. That's the request, the commandment of God. When we come before him, we're to examine our lives. And we're to lay down again, to prostrate everything and be holy like him. What a picture in heaven. A God who reigns above every other thing, every other being. He's the focus of heaven. What a picture. What a picture. We've entered a realm of one who is high and lifted up. I don't think you can read Psalm 29 without reading Isaiah 6. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What a picture. Revelation chapter 4 tells us, And around the throne and each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. 
and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. What a picture in heaven. The Bible doesn't give us many glimpses into heaven. But what pictures it gives us. Why? <coughs> to show us that God reigns in heaven. And all beings are called to worship him. Because he alone is worthy. <coughs> but it changes in verse 3. Right down to verse 11. It changes. Because it comes down to earth. From heaven to earth. The situation, the region changes. But the psalmist, what he says, tells us that the glory does not change. That the rule and the reign of God doesn't change one bit. He reigns in heaven and he rules on earth. The unruly earth. We look at our earth today. And even over these last five, ten years, we've seen such changes. And the earth is heading in a totally opposite direction to what God wants and to his word. The unruly earth. But the psalmist tells us God still reigns and rules over it all. How does he do it? Well, the image is of a mighty thunderstorm. I don't know if King David was on his balcony one day and he's looking, looking out over the Mediterranean and he sees these dark clouds, these mighty clouds coming off the Mediterranean and he sees this mighty storm approaching. And he talks about the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord and the rumblings of thunder and lightning. He equates to the voice of the Lord and they have an impact. The Lord speaks on earth and it has an impact. Each crack of thunder, each bolt of lighting, lightning. Isn't it wonderful we have a God who speaks? Who speaks in heaven and speaks on earth and his word is carried out in both. A God who speaks and it is done. The Lord, L-O-R-D, has a voice and it's a voice of authority. The earth may look unruly, but God is in control of it all. And that brings great comfort to his people because we know what he says he will do. Just want to point out a few things. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. How can you hold water in your hand? It groans out, it runs through your fingers. It seems the most unruly of things. But the psalmist wants to point out that the voice of the Lord is over the waters. 
It's not unruly to him. We've seen over the last 10, 15 years, two very big tsunamis, and they seem unstoppable. Everything in their path is swept away, killed many people, destroyed many buildings. And man just is not able to withstand it. But the psalmist points out that God is, that God rules and reigns in it all. What he's doing, he's building the confidence, his own confidence and the confidence of his people that the Lord is in control. That unruly element, the waters, God reigns and rules in it all. Then he talks in verses 4 to 6, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. It's interesting whether the psalmist again is watching the clouds come off the ocean and he watched them come over the land and the, break, the cedars the uh, um, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. What the psalmist points out here is two great mountains, even today in Israel. There's Mount Lebanon and Syrian is Mount Hermon. And notice he first mentions Lebanon. And those great cedars that grew on the foothills in Lebanon up the side of Mount Lebanon. Powerful, powerful trees. The temple was built. Great building material. But the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. That mountain of Lebanon, the Lord reigns and rules. That strength that it symbolizes, the strength that the cedars symbolize is nothing before the Lord. And there are things in David's life, he had been through so much. There are things in our lives and they're like strongholds. They're like Mount Lebanon. They're like those strong cedars, but they're nothing before the Lord. What does it say? The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The word for break there, it means he shatters them. He shatters them. But it says it again, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. And what he wants to emphasize is the nature of that shattering. The lightning hits a tree and it shatters. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He breaks it into small, tiny pieces. It's not just a shattering. It's a pulverizing through the power of the Lord. The Lord God Almighty who reigns in heaven, reigns in earth, and reigns in every situation that we find ourselves in. But then the psalmist looks beyond Mount Lebanon to the greater mountain, Mount Hermon, Syrian. He makes it to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. Now sometimes, I've only seen it a few times, you've seen young calves and they'll hop and they'll bounce great bulk and you think how did they even get off the ground but here is the psalmist is looking at this great Mount Hermon immovable how does it move 
but it moves at the word of the Lord, at the power of the Lord, at the strength of the Lord, at the sight of the Lord. It shakes, skips like a young, like a calf in Syria, like a young wild ox. I remember sitting in the home one morning, it was about 7.30, and there was a star thunder and lightning. And I don't know what happened. There was a crack of thunder and the lightning, no, sorry, the lightning, and immediately there was a crack of thunder, just almost immediately. And it must have been just right over, the, honestly, the foundations of the whole house shook. And you're sitting there, and it is frightening. But there's a greater picture here, that the power of the Lord can shake these mighty mountains, the mighty mountains in Israel and the mighty mountains in our lives. The Lord reigns and rules in all of it. Then, verses 7 and 8, the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. He reigns in those high mountains, but I'm in a wilderness. I'm in a low valley. Does he reign and rule there also? Yes, he does. Who was in the wilderness? The children of Israel. For 40 years, wandering. And who protected them? The Lord God Almighty himself. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He was there in the midst of his people. And the wilderness, that dry place, that place, that waterless place, and in the natural, the people that says, where's the water coming from? And the Lord spoke to Moses. And he hit the rock. He used to speak to it the second time, but he hit it again. But the water was there. And the Lord provided for his people in the wilderness. There's mighty mountains. And there's low valleys. And God reigns in both. What a picture. What a picture. He reigns all over. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. What's the only response to a God who reigns in heaven? What's the only response to a God who reigns in earth? What's the only response to any situation that has to flee before a God like this? And in his temple, all cry glory. That's the only response. That is the only response for his people today. It is the only response that the world should be given him, but it's in rebellion against him. But we as people, he has called out. Our only response is glory. What happened in heaven? Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Give him the glory that's due to his name. They're giving it in to him in heaven. And we as people have to give it to him on earth. There was a heavenly temple. And there's an earthly temple. And it was there to give glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What a picture. What a picture of the Lord reigning and ruling. He reigns in heaven. And he reigns on earth. But I like verse 11. Well, verse 10 and 11. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. 
May the Lord bless his people with peace. Do you notice the subtle change? Right down to verse 10 is heaven. It's earth. But verse 11 is more personal. Verse 11 speaks directly to God's people and speaks directly to us today. But verse 10, I like, he sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. And we need to realize that word forever before we read verse 11. Because this God who reigns in heaven, this God who reigns in earth, reigns forever. There is no end to his kingdom. Then that allows us to approach verse 11. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Tells me a few things. Tells me I don't have strength. And it tells me I don't have peace. In and of myself. We live in a world that is crying out for peace. We live in a world that in its own strength thinks it can create this peace. But it can't. And to be honest before God, we have to admit we have no strength of our own and we have no peace in ourselves. That's why it comes from the God who reigns in heaven and the God who reigns on earth, who reigns forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Strength and peace, you would expect the Lord to be sent. There would be adjectives. You're describing what the Lord gives us. He gives us strength. He gives us peace. He's describing it. But it's not adjectives. They're nouns. They're names. Why? Because Ephesians 2 and 14 tells us, for he himself is our peace. Not he himself gives us peace, but he himself is our peace. That's why it's a noun. Psalm 28, 7 and 8, the Lord is my strength and my shield. And there's many other verses we can read and they all say the same thing. Our strength is not something God gives us. Our peace is not something that God gives us. Our peace is God himself. Our strength is God himself. What a picture. What a picture. He is our strength. He is our peace. I like the two verbs also in verse 11. May the Lord give. May the Lord bless. Give strength with peace. And it's all to do with our salvation. The moment we put our trust in him, his strength and his peace, he gave the minute we put our trust in him, he became our strength and our peace. And the tense of it, I've already learned a bit of grammar recently. 
but I think it just sets this all up. It's in the imperfect tense. Took me a while, I thought there was three tenses, past, present, and future, but there's an imperfect tense. And what it is, a work that was done once, but it has an effect that never stops happening. So the minute we were saved and born again, our peace and our strength was the Lord. And he never stops looking out for his people. He is always our strength and he is always our peace. And he never stops. Why? Because he is a God enthroned as king forever. And no one can take our strength and no one can take our peace because it's in him. And no one can ever stop him because he reigns in heaven. He reigns on earth and he reigns in his people. Today, tomorrow and forever and ever. Amen. I think 2020 is a good place to start with Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Let's pray. Sovereign God, you reign and you rule forever and ever. You are a sovereign. We watch earthly sovereigns and it's like a drama, but there's no substance to it. But Lord, when we look to heaven and we look to earth and we see you, the true sovereign. It's not a drama. It is truth. You reign today, you reign tomorrow, and you reign forever and ever. Father, we give you the glory. We give you the honor that you deserve. We join this morning as it were with the angels and we ascribe to you the glory due to your name. We worship you in the splendor of holiness. Father, we stand at the beginning of this year, the end of 2019, the start of 2020. Father, we want to say thank you because the reason we're standing at the end of 2019 is because you were our strength and our peace. And the reason we stand at 2020 looking forward with hope is because you are our strength and our peace. And you will always be our strength and our peace. Father, verse 11 has its foundations in verses 1 to 10. Without it, there's no foundation for our strength. There's no foundation for our peace. It's empty. But we have a king who sits on the throne forever and ever. <coughs> Father, I ask you this morning to encourage your people 
Father, we are in the midst of different things. And it is tough at times. And we have to acknowledge that, Lord. But Father, you never leave us nor forsake us. You are our pillar of fire by night and our pillar of cloud by day. Thank you, Lord. Encourage your people today. Father, where they find themselves, give them strength and give them peace. We can't have it in ourselves. It's not there. It's not humanly possible. But we look up. We look up to a God who rules and reigns in every place. He is our hope. He is our strength. He is our peace. And everyone in his temple cries glory. Receive our glory, Lord, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.